It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. That last song, Power in the Blood. Kind of, uh, it's kind of upbeat, but you notice the words of the song. Would you be free from your passion and pride? No. Are you ready? Do you want just everything your way all the time? Are you ready? One way. You know how, what that is? Only through what Christ has done in our life. That's how. Would you be free from your burden of sin? The only way you can be free from birth, uh, your sin. You know what it is? Only through Christ. Right? We're going to be looking today in Ezekiel chapter 22. Ezekiel chapter 22. And actually the uh, first thing, what, which uh, things are, uh, as Brian said, things are a little bit different today. But uh, And I hate it. We've got a lot of people missing. But I think we've got a word that we can hear from God today. And so we're going to be looking in Ezekiel chapter 22. And really just the question is, will you stand in the gap? Will you stand in the gap? You know, uh, I want to make mention, first off, that uh, 10 years ago, the second Sunday in January, which today is the second Sunday in January, right? 10 years ago, the second Sunday in January was my official first Sunday as pastor of Hemptown Baptist Church. And so just want to say it's been a it's been a blessing and a privilege to be the pastor of Hemptown Baptist uh, over the past 10 years. And we've experienced some great things. But I just tell you what, I'm just looking for God to do better things, aren't you? I think God wants to do more. I think he wants to do more with us. And I'm uh, looking forward to what... Uh, God is going to do. I just pray God's, for God's continual blessings uh, here at Hemptown. You know, I think if we'll get out of the way and serve Him, He'll do more, right? You know what the biggest hindrance in God's work is so many times? Us, right? And so we just need to uh, get get to busy what God would, would have us do. Last week, it feels like it's been a hundred years to me since we've been here at Hemptown Baptist. Last week, we were uh, went on the mission trip. Uh, a number of folks did. And then uh, it was... Uh, we had a number of struggles, and we had a number of victories. You know what? If you ever decide you want to do something for God... And I guess I just wasn't exactly quite ready as I should have been. But you just got to prepare yourself. If you ever want to do something for God, you will have trouble. You know, Satan is going to show up. Or one of his demons is going to show up and try to cause you trouble. I'll tell you the truth. For the week before we went, before we left, I probably had the toughest week that I've had in work ever in my life. You ever been there? Huh? I mean, just, just there. And you say, but y'all left on Wednesday. I know I tell you them first two days, Monday and Tuesday, was, it, was more than a week long. I mean, you know, it's just tough. On the way down on the mission trip, we got pulled over. <laughs> and so Tom is the only one that can say he's got pulled over in the church bus now. <laughs> and when we got pulled over in the church bus, you know, somebody say, well, David, was you speeding or driving wild? <laughs> no, I wasn't speeding or driving wild. But we got pulled over in Alabama, and he said, you don't have DOT numbers on your bus. You know what? We didn't know we were supposed to have DOT numbers. Well, we were supposed to have DOT numbers on our bus. And so we had the opportunity to sit there when he 
while he checked our lights and checked our blinkers and checked the brakes and uh, checked the wiring and checked the battery and checked all sorts of stuff. And then I got to sit in his uh, little police car while he typed it all up and gave us a thing about it, you know? So anyway, but as how many, how many folks would have ever thought something? But anyway, that's just part of life, right? And then as we drove on a little further, started the light come off, I mean the temperature gauge started coming up, we end up had a hole in a water hose. You know, I just tell you what, I thought God's going to richly bless while we're there because <laughs> Satan is trying to do everything he can to keep us from there, right? Uh, when we got there, it was cold and wet. You know what? It's never cold in New Orleans. It was colder down there than it was up here, I think. Uh, wet and cold. And then, as most of you know, uh, I think just about everybody down there on the last day ended up sick. You know, you say, goodness gracious, it sounds miserable. But you know, there was great victories as well. As we started leaking uh, water with water hose busted, pulled off on the side of the, uh, there in the parking lot of the gas station, we said, oh goodness, water's leaking, what are we going to do? Robert said, I believe I can fix this. Within 15 minutes, he had us back going again. You know what? There's a hole in the hose, but it's right there kind of toward the end. You just... Oh, there's plenty of spare here. Cut that thing off, stuck it back on. You know, huh? Yeah, I mean, just when we got through the time that we were there, the deck on the back of the pastorium that was rotted out and stuff and had people that fell through. Actually, there's one fellow just right before, the day before we started working, it fell down the steps of the deck and was like, <coughs> Uh, all, all that got put on you and really looks good. Uh, I think all the rooms in the educational building got painted. There was several loads of stuff got hauled off. Things got cleaned and organized. The whole sanctuary got stripped down of all the old carpet and tile. And uh, we was able to pick up and deliver the chairs that they wanted us to. And all those got put together and uh, building out back got uh, cleaned out and organized and just really uh, got a lot done, got a lot accomplished, got some pressure washing done, you know, really got, got a lot of stuff accomplished. And uh, several of the folks that were there that was helping, that's going to be a part of starting the church, one made the comment and said, you know, when it just seems like the task is overwhelming, you just get discouraged. And said, y'all have just really gave us a, a, a shot in the arm, gave us some encouragement that now after we see all that y'all got done, you know, they, they said, you know, we, we're going to be able to get over this hump and, and get, this, get this task completed and get things finished. And so uh, I just want to say thank you for praying for us while we was gone. Uh, you know, everything is in God's hands. You know, when all this stuff that happened, actually I heard a fellow preaching this morning. He was preaching on Paul and Silas being in prison in Acts. And he said so many times when we go through a trial in our life, we say, well, look what Satan's doing to us. When it may be that God's just putting us exactly where we need to be for to have an effect on somebody else's life or to because Paul and Silas, when they were there in prison, what did they start doing? They started praying and singing. And when God shook the prison, Paul was able to say, We're all here. Not only did it change the life of that prison guard where he come to know Christ. But I think it changed the lives of the other prisoners that were there as well. And, you know, uh, that's why we just need to make sure that 
when we start going through trials, we just need to see how God can be glorified in our lives. Here, this is the second Sunday of 2016 as we're looking at 2016. You know, it's uh, uh, 2015 just went by quick, didn't it? You know, 2016 is an important year in our country. And it's an important year uh, around, well, first off, it's an election year, 2016. <coughs> and we need to really be praying about the leadership of our country. And not only 2016, they say that there's a El Nino this year. Is that correct, right? <coughs> you know? And so the weather's going to be kind of messed up. You know, we may have the opportunity to do some ministry that we've never done before because of that. But with everything happening in 2016, there's a, a, a lot of things that's going on. You know, we just are really finishing up, or if, we, if you stayed on pace, I know our class, we're a little bit behind. But uh, if the adult classes that have stayed on pace, really finishing up the book, I Will, by Tom Rainer, that we've been going through. And this chapter this week in the book really is a challenge. And the chapter that uh, basically is coming back and challenging you and challenging each of us is that all this stuff we've been reading and studying about over the past several weeks, are you going to do it? Really is what it all comes down to. And he even relates a story of a fellow that just felt led to start a prayer group in New York. And he had given out over 20,000 invitations and put up over 20,000 invitations and flyers all around to meet at noon on this one certain day in this one certain room. And when he showed up, he was only one there. He said, after a while, there was a few other people showed up. But they started praying. And every week met back. And a few more people started coming and praying. And then by the end of the fall, talked about the thousands that were meeting in different churches and buildings across New York City. And how it really kind of swept across the country of people praying for revival. This is back in the 1850s. You know, for us, where really the question comes back is, are you ready to make a difference? You know, this one fellow, he started and ended up becoming a movement across the nation. And as I thought about that, I was really kind of led to the scripture in Ezekiel chapter 22. And in Ezekiel chapter 22 and verse 30 is where we will start today. And then we'll kind of back up and move in, uh, move down to verse 30. But really God asked the same sort of question. In Ezekiel chapter, chapter 22 and verse 30, just as Tom Rainer said, are you gonna are you gonna do what was said he in in the chapter of the book this week? He talked about how really every church can change starting with one person. Every community can change starting with one person. I can't make you act a certain way, but I can change the way I'm acting. You know? And the same thing is true with each of us. Well, let's read in Ezekiel chapter 22, verse 30. Let's all stand, everyone that will, in honor of God's word. And the Bible says, So I sought for a man among them who would make up a law and stand in the gap before me on behalf of the land that, should, that I should not destroy it. But I found no one. Let's all bow our heads and pray.
Lord, I pray today Lord, that you would just move in this service. God, I pray you'd work in my life, God. Lord, if you're looking across America today, looking across Spanning County, thank God for someone to stand between the people of this land and destruction. Lord, I pray I'd be with you. Lord, I just pray Lord, for your unction today to preach your word. Lord, I want you to receive glory and honor and praise. Lord, move us today. 2016 will be a year that you would be exalted. God, convict me, convict each one in this place that calls the name of Christ. Lord, that we live our lives to glorify you. In Jesus' name, amen. Y'all can see. As we see in this passage, and we'll see really from backing up a little bit more just to see where God has brought, brought us to in this point, and he's asking, is will someone stand in the gap? Will someone stand in the in the way. And let's look first at really going kind of back up to the beginning of this paragraph in this chapter and kind of see where the country was at. You know, the country of Israel was in a state of, of sin, was in a state of selfishness. And as we see here and look at the widespread evil that was going on there, I think we can see a lot of parallels with where we're at in our land today. The first thing that we can see is a general corruption. The general corruption of the people. The general corruption of the people. The Bible says in verse 22, And the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Son of man, say to her, You are a land that is not cleansed or rained on in the day of of indignation. You know, the, the word came to the prophet and he said, you're not cleansed. Even with all this that's going on, there's problems throughout the whole land. And as we begin, he begins to specifically name problems and the sin that is going on in the country. You know, there in verse, uh, with verse 25, I think we can see that the prophets were selfish. The prophets were selfish. The Bible says the conspiracy of her prophets in, in her midst is like a roaring lion tearing the, uh, the prey. They have devoured people. They have taken treasure and precious things. They have made many widows in her midst. You know, if we look, the first Accusation was against the prophets. They were they were living exactly for what they wanted. It was all about them for what they could gain. You know, the job of a prophet was to proclaim what God had said. And at times God would give future prophecies like this, and at other times He would just be proclaiming and telling what God's what God was supposed to do. You know, the false prophets had conspired together. There was a conspiracy, as it said here. They had conspired together so that their prophecy would be consistent 
but it would be for their gain. You, we look on down and it even tells us that they were, uh, they had made many widows. You know what was happening? There were even people being killed because of their prophecies, men being killed, and it was all for their self gain. It was for their selfishness. Only They were only looking out for themselves. And you say, so what you're saying, David, is the prophets of this day, the preachers of this day, they're all out for just their self. No, you know what I'm saying is? What I'm saying is as Christians, we should all be proclaiming what God has said, should we not? We should all be proclaiming the good news of Christ. And I wonder how many churches and how many Christians are only looking out for yourself. It's only about my comfort. It's only about what I want. And you know, if we look across our land, you can see a number of churches that are dying. You know why they're dying? Is because they're only looking out for themselves. And at Hemp Town, if we get inward focused where we're only concerned with ourselves, we'll go that way as well. Just this past week on Thursday, I was in Chattanooga. I was having to teach a class, do a training class. And I had gotten there. They, they were doing a meeting that I was supposed to do this training kind of at the close of the meeting on a new system that was being put in. And I had gotten there to the room early, and I was sitting there trying to get all my stuff set up. I was hooking up my computer and trying to get everything exactly set up. And there, I mean, it a, was a good-sized training room. The table's kind of in a U-shape and chairs all around. And I'm sitting in this one chair, and I'm getting my stuff ready. And this lady comes in and just starts staring at me, sitting there, what I'm doing. And he kind of went over and, you know, was kind of, you know, and I said, can I help you? And she said, you don't ever guess what she said. You're in my seat. <laughs> And I said, so you have assigned seats in this meeting? And she said, oh, no, we don't have assigned seats, but we're like a Baptist church. We all sit in the same place. And I tell you what, there was, she didn't know I was a Baptist preacher. Because <laughs> I've never met her before. <laughs> But you know, I thought there was two, there's two things there. First off, that is a grave accusation against the church. And I don't know, I don't didn't really get a chance to talk to her much. Don't know whether she claimed to be a Christian or claimed to be a Baptist or claimed to be anything. But I thought it's sad that her, the way she acted, it was all about her, and that's my seat. And in her view, that's what it was to be a Christian and a Baptist. Right? Was it not? And she tried to functionally, funny, put it off and say, oh, well, we're just like the Baptist church, you know, but you know what I told her? I said, yeah, that's why most Baptist churches are dying. And I said, here in this company, we'll die too if we keep always doing the things the same way and the wrong way, right? As the, and you, just to carry that a little bit further, through the meeting, there was one, at one section, got one point, I said, really? You're doing things this way, and you're creating work over here and creating work over here, and you don't really need to do it that way. You can just do this one thing, and the supervisor's in charge of everything. Said, well, I think we want to just keep doing it the way we're doing it. We want to keep creating all this extra work. We want to keep doing it. 
And you say, oh, I've been, I've worked at places like that. You know what? Too many times in the churches, that's where we're at. We keep doing things that's unnecessary and keep doing things that's not productive to the, to the kingdom of God. But you know, here, the prophets, it was all about what they meant. And I wonder how many of us as Christians, we live our life all about what we want. What makes us comfortable. You know, it's great to have fellowships and stuff, but if all our fellowships are just where we can get together with each other and have a good time. That's how we get inwardly focused instead of reaching out to others. Reaching out and trying to reach others. But not only do we see the prophets were selfish, I think we can see that the priests were sinful. Look on down the next verse. Her priests have violated my laws and profaned my holy things. They have not distinguished between the holy and unholy, nor have they made known the difference between the unclean and the clean. And they have hidden their eyes from my Sabbaths, so that I am profaned among them. You know, the purpose of the priests, part of their office, was that they were to go before God and for the people. They were to intercede for the people before God. Another purpose of the priests was they were to demonstrate the law of God to the people. In Malachi chapter 2 and verse 7, the Bible says, For the lips of a priest should keep knowledge, and people should seek the law from his mouth, for he is the messenger of the Lord of hosts. The priest was representing the people, interceding for the people, but then also he should have been able to, they should be able to go to the priest and see what God's law was. You know, today, we're, we're called holy priests, right, in Hebrews. We're to be a holy people. We should be ones that represent People should be able to see God in us. They were living a sinful life. They were no longer, it said, they did not make a difference between the, the unclean and the clean, the holy and the unholy. And I wonder how many of us that claim the name of Christ do not make a difference between the holy and the unholy. The clean and the unclean. And you say, what are you talking about? Are you talking about living under the law? No, I'm talking about living a life in such a way that you're not <clears throat> pure before the world. Can the world see a difference in your life? You know, I'm afraid that we walked. It's a fine line that we need to walk. And when I say that, today used to <coughs> the way some people acted, the way some people dressed and stuff, you knew they were a member of a certain church just because of the way they dressed and the way they acted. I'm not saying that we should change the way we dress and all the women should wear dresses all the time with long hair in a bun. Y'all know what I'm talking about, right? Maybe you don't. I, growing up in Dalton, I mean, let's just go ahead and growing up, growing up in Dalton, you could see there were certain people you saw and you'd make this, that people make the statement and say, oh, well, they're a prat. That meant they attended the Church of God of the Union Assembly where Jesse Pratt was the preacher. 
because all of them dressed exactly the same way, and they all did. You know, today we've got this thing where we're trying to reach out to others, and, and we, try, we try not to, um, we may try to change the way we dress and stuff to be more relevant for the culture. But I'm afraid if we're not careful, we begin living our life in such a way where people don't realize that there's a difference in us. Now I'm not talking about the way we dress, but I'm talking about the way we act. In our business dealings, we can be fair and honest. In the way we speak, we can be uplifting of Christ. When I say that, you may say, well, I don't cuss, but do you gossip? <coughs> do you cut people down? Do we, try to, do we try to uplift Christ with our life? If we are, as we're said, if we're priests unto God, should we not be living a life of sinlessness. Instead of trying to see how close we can get to sin without saying we sin, should we not be trying to see how close and how holy we can live unto God? The priests will have knowledge of God. How many Christians never read the Bible through in their life? I mean, you never even know what the Bible says. We should be the ones knowledgeable about God. We should be living our life in such a way that's holy before Him. You know, we see the prophets were selfish. They wanted their way. The priests were sinful. They were living unholy before God. But then I think next we can see that the princes were self-seeking. Verse 27. Her princes in her midst are like wolves tearing the prey to shed blood, to destroy people and to get dishonest gain. Her prophets plastered, filled with untempered water, seeing false visions and divining lies for them, saying, Thus says the Lord God, when the Lord had not spoken. You know, the princesses, the leaders, they were, everything that they were doing was for their own benefit and their own profit. They were looking out just for themselves. They shed blood. They were destroying all for their own gain. And they had went in cahoots. I don't know if that's a real word, but y'all know what I'm talking about, right? With the false prophets, where the pro false prophets was saying things that God had said, and really they were just trying to promote each other. You know, even with this election year, you've already heard people proclaim the name of Christ. You think, well, why have they never proclaimed the name of Christ in their life before? They're just trying to get certain votes. I'm sure there's religious leaders that have tried to, that will, that will before the election's over, try to promote and try to others so that they, they can vote be exalted. They weren't trying to look out and do what was right for God. And I wonder in our life, how many Christians compromise their values and get in relationships you should never be in for your own gain. You know, there are just some people you don't need to get in business with. We quote <coughs> that verse, do not be unequally yoked together. And we talk about marriage. You should not marry someone you know, when you get in business with somebody, 
you're yoked up with them, right? No, there are just certain partnerships you just should not be a part of. Here, they, the princes, the leaders, were only looking out for themselves, not worrying about who else would be destroyed. But then I think we can see the people were self-centered. The people of the land have used oppressions, committed robbery, and mistreated the poor and needy, and they wrongfully oppress the stranger. Hear the, the prophecy from God. We see that there was a, that the, the prophets, those who should be proclaiming his word, were selfish, only looking out for themselves. The priests were living sinful lives, only doing what they wanted. The princes as the leaders were so self-centered or so self-involved. And here, even the people, it didn't matter who they oppressed. It didn't matter what happened to anyone else. They only looked out after themselves. And in the midst of their country, living like that, and if we look around in America, you know, we see so many similarities, don't we? As far as the way people are living. Here in the midst of all this, we see the graceful call of God. And the Bible says, So I saw a man among them who would make up a wall and stand in the gap before me on behalf of the land that I should not destroy you, but I found no one. And when you say, so many times I'm, a, I'm afraid when we see a verse like this, <coughs> and we see that God's about to pour out his wrath, we see a vengeful God. When really it's his justice, a just, righteous God. But here in this verse, I think we see a graceful God, a God of grace. Because here what we see the picture is, is that God is saying, because of your sin, I've got to pour out my wrath on the land. And he's saying, I'm just looking for anybody who will stand up and give me a reason not to do it. I want somebody to stand up in between my wrath and the people so that I won't have to pour out my wrath. You know, if we look back through Scripture, we can see times throughout history where people have stood and stood in the gap. In the book of Exodus, chapter 32, Moses has went up on the mountain. And he's up there with God getting the Ten Commandments. He's been up there 40 days. The people down in the valley, they say, Moses isn't coming back down. Let's make us an idol. And they make a calf and they begin to worship. God tells Moses, he said, I'm going to destroy them all. And Moses, the Bible says in Exodus 32, verse 11, then Moses pleaded with the Lord, his God. And he begins to say, God, you brought them out of Egypt. Don't kill them now. And he begins to it tells us, he says, turn from your fierce wrath in verse 12 and relent from this harm to your people. Verse 13, he said, remember Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, your servants who swore by your own self. 
Moses even comes back and he begins to share the word of God. And he said, God, don't you remember what you said? Moses comes off the mountain. And when he sees what they're doing, he gets so mad, he breaks the, the two stones that the Ten Commandments were written on. And if we look at what Moses said on down in verse number 31, when Moses approaches God again, he says, these people have committed a great sin and have made themselves a God of gold. Yet now, if you will not forgive their sin, if you will forgive their sin, but if not, I pray, block me out of your book, which you have written. Moses was so concerned about the people, he recognized they had sinned. And I'm, I'm afraid that's part of our problem. Too often we don't recognize the people around us have sinned and that they're about to experience God's wrath. Because it's easier for us to think everybody's okay, I'm okay, you're okay, and everybody's going to heaven together. And if that was the case, why did Jesus say, Wide is the gate that leads to destruction, and narrow is the road that leads to heaven. Why did he say it's wide for everybody in America? Because everybody's going to be there and we'll have a good time. We don't realize the destruction that some are facing. And Moses recognized that, but he said, God, I'm willing to give up my life for them. I wonder how many of us are even willing to give up a few hours sleep interceding for something. You know, if we look on in Numbers chapter number <coughs> Numbers chapter number 16, Aaron stood in the gap. The Bible tells us in Numbers 16 that the people begin to murmur against Aaron and Moses. Can you imagine somebody's fussing, griping about the way you're doing things? And God's wrath came upon the people, and He sent a plague to them. And when the plague started hitting the people, you know what Moses said? You know, if it had been us, you know what we'd have said? Well, God told Moses to get out of the way, I'm about to kill him. And most of us, you know what we're to say? Go ahead, God. They deserve it. They talked bad about me. They gave me a hard time. You know what Moses said? Moses told Aaron, said, Aaron, run to the altar and get fire from the altar and incense. And when the plague hit, <coughs> The Bible tells us in verse number 47, he put incense and made atonement for the people. Verse 48, and he stood between the dead and the living, and the plague was stayed. Can you imagine? I don't know what kind of plague it was, but obviously the way it was going through, people were just dropping dead everywhere. And what did Aaron do? He did what Moses said. He grabbed fire and incense off the altar and he went running and he stood right there before the plague. I tell you what, that was somebody who was brave, wasn't it? Self-sacrificing, not caring about their self and say, God, I need to save these. And when Aaron was standing there, the plague stopped. He stood between the living and the dead. He made a difference. And you know, for us today, I think one may say, but that was Old Testament. You know, if we look in the New Testament in 2 Corinthians, chapter number 5 and verse 18, the Bible says, Now all things are of God, who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. 
That is, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. <laughs> you know, we really need to look at two things here. First off, the ultimate example of someone standing in the gap between a people and the wrath of God was Jesus Christ. Because all of us deserve hell and deserve the wrath of God. And Jesus came and stood in the gap. And he took God's wrath for us that we can be forgiven. But here in 2 Corinthians, we learn, we need to realize, first off, that because of their sin, God is going to pour out his wrath on people as he casts them into hell. And they'll experience his wrath because of their unrighteousness. But here we have this ministry of reconciliation, not that we're the one that saves them, but we need to be doing everything we can pointing them to the one that saves them. Jesus, who is the one that reconciles us to God. And the question for us today is, will you stand in the gap? God's saying, I'm wanting somebody to be a wall between those, between people and experiencing my wrath. Will you be the one willing to give up yourself, give up what you would have that others would Christ? I think that's the question for us today. Back a number of years ago, <coughs> Someone well-known, I can't remember exactly the quote, but he talked about instead of having a fine church, he said, I'd rather be running a rescue mission at the gate of hell. You know, I wonder for us in our life, I think if any of us open up our eyes around us, we see people that are away from God. We know people who are lost and dying without God. And here in 2016, <coughs> will you make up your mind to say, God, for that person, I'm going to stand in the gap. I'm going to do everything I can that they won't experience your wrath. You know, just as Moses first, we need to recognize that they have sinned. We need to be interceding for the Lord God. We need to be sharing the truth of God with them. You know, I, I wonder if in 2016, what if everyone in here was able to stand in the gap for one person that came to Christ and got right to God? You want to read on down the passage? God said, I looked around everywhere in Israel. Then the next verse he begins to proclaim the judgment that's going to be poured out against them. I wonder if right now today, I wonder if God's looking around Fanning County. I wonder if God's looking around and some people say, well, somebody's standing in the gap for this person. You stand in the gap. 
for your parents, for your children, for your friends, for your family. Say, God, I'm going to pray for that person. I'm going to love that person. I'm going to do everything I can that they see the love of Christ. That they get right with you. And you make that commitment today. Maybe you've never experienced Christ's love. You stood for God's wrath You can make that decision. You don't have a time of prayer. The altar will be open. Maybe you're just going to come and pray and get God's all way somebody in your heart. But you know who you need to stay in the gospel this year. Maybe you just while we pray, you just need to say, pray and say, God, show me. Who would have me make a difference in their life this year? You want to come and pray together? Let's pray. Lord, I just pray. For <coughs> each one of us here. God, you would burden us with some. Someone we need to intercede for. Someone we need to stand for truth. <coughs> Someone we need to proclaim your love and your word. God, let us know your heart. <coughs> Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.